if you look at mega cities where there is a good developed electrical grid, it makes sense to run cars the electric way. If you look to rural areas, if you looked at the car fleet that exists, there are good reasons to run them on e-fuel or drop-in e-fuel, partially drop-in e-fuel to reduce CO2 footprint of this car fleet. And not every region in the world will move with the same speed to e-mobility. You are listening to the Siemens Energy Podcast Series. The energy sector is undergoing an unprecedented transformation, presenting both challenges and opportunities. The demand for energy is increasing worldwide. And at the same time, we must combat the effects of climate change and reduce CO2 emissions. On each episode, we bring you conversations with some of the world's cutting-edge thought leaders in energy and related subjects. Our goal is to help you understand energy, the challenges we face today, and what the future holds. Subscribe and be sure to check out our website for more resources. Now, here's your moderator, Amy Pemple. Today, we welcome Dr. Michael Steiner. Dr. Steiner is the Chief Technology Officer and Board Member of Porsche. Hello, Dr. Steiner. Thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Hello, Amy. Thank you for having the chance to talk to you. I'm Michael Steiner, working at Porsche AG for more than 20 years. Before then, I had around 10 years at Mercedes-Benz. My PhD, I did earn in mechanical engineering at the Technical University of Munich. More or less, I'm all my life in the automotive industry. Wonderful. And before we get into talking about this very unique project with Siemens Energy and Porsche and some other partners, I'm wondering if you can inform our listeners how it is possible to get from renewable electricity to fuel for combustion engines. That sounds strange. How could you derive from water and CO2 fuel? But in principle, the process is quite simple. You need a lot of renewable energy in form of electricity and with this electricity you can run the electrolysis process where you split water into hydrogen and oxygen and in parallel you use the energy for direct air capture where you gain co2 directly out of the ambient air and then bringing co2 and hydrogen together in a methanol synthesis process where you get from these both ingredients from hydrogen and from CO2 methanol. And this methanol goes into another synthesis process where methanol will be converted into gasoline. Then you have raw gasoline that you could put to the refinery to come to a fuel that is close to CO2 neutral. So this is in principle the chain to come from renewable energy to renewable fuel, e-fuel, we call it. That's very interesting. And now I'm hoping we can expand a little bit about the Haro Oni project. Is the project in Chile that Siemens Energy and Porsche and some other partners are developing. It's the first of its kind and it's a pilot project. Can you tell us what the significance of this project in Chile is? First of all, I think it's uh, on a worldwide basis, the first integrated commercial plant uh, to produce nearly CO2 neutral gasoline. We do this together with uh, Siemens Energy. So uh, Porsche and Siemens, Siemens Energy, two German companies, 
are teaming up. And what is special about this project, first of all, the location. Down in the southern part of Chile, where there is a lot of wind. And second, uh, from my point of view, it's unique that companies from different sectors team up, join up to bring this into a commercial plant. It's size-wise still a pilot plant. The lead developer of this Haruoni project is HIF, Highly Innovative Fuels, and we have the whole value chain integrated in one plant, in one location. We have a lot of partners. It's AME, it's Siemens Energy, it's ExxonMobil from the fuel business, it's Enel and Inap from the energy business. And with this team effort and joining up, we are able to have the whole value chain in one site running. So from my point of view, it's unique, yeah. <laughs> Very unique. And uh, Haro Oni is something that I think a lot of people would be interested in learning more about. So thank you for explaining that. I think what you just touched on is so important in the energy transition, and that is different companies and different entities coming together to come up with the solutions and the new technologies that are going to move this forward. So I think that's very interesting, and I appreciate you explaining it to us. Now, I'd like to say Porsche will be the off-taker of the green fuel produced in Chile. Why is Porsche not only focusing on e-mobility, but also e on e-fuels for the road transport sector? Our main focus or our highest priority is electric mobility. But electrification has the highest priority, but will not lead to a really fast down pathway in terms of CO2 reduction. So if we would like to address the existing car fleet, we need to think about how could we substitute the fossil fuel by e-fuels in this direction come down with the CO2 footprint in shorter terms. From our point of view, e-fuels are a useful complement to e-mobility and it's almost carbon neutral. The operation of petrol engine cars and as we know uh, that for decades uh, the main population of cars on road will be still combustion engine based. This is a need to come down in terms of CO2 footprint. So there's really no competition. These are two complementary technologies, right? Electricity, batteries, and e-fuels. Definitely. If you look at mega cities where there is a good developed electrical grid, it makes sense to run cars electric the electric way. If you look to rural areas, if you looked at the car fleet that exists, there are good reasons to run them on e-fuel or drop-in e-fuel, partially drop-in e-fuel to reduce CO2 footprint of this uh, car fleet. And not every region in the world will move with the same speed to e-mobility. So from our point of view, there is need to have this additional measure. So let's talk a little bit about the production process. How costly, efficient, and climate-friendly is it? And does the calculation really make sense in the end? Would it not be more efficient to use the renewable electricity directly to charge an EV instead of producing e-fuels? If you look for efficiency and you would have enough renewable electricity at hand, it's always more efficient to just charge the car. But if you look at Europe, Europe 
will be not able to run all businesses on renewable energy. So Europe will be, from our point of view, always dependent on importing energy. Today, Europe imports four times more energy in fossil form than it gains from renewable sources. And if we look at all this dependency of imported energy and how we could substitute such energy, we will have to liquefy or to store renewable energy in forms like fuels. The question about cost is a good question today. With a pilot plant we have in Haruoni, cost-wise we are still far above fossil-based fuel. But scaling up, we see good chances that we will come down step by step within this decade to a pricing or to cost, sorry, to cost low $2 per liter. So that could be the right direction. And depending on taxes, uh, taxation, depending on CO2 costs and other measures, we think this could be an additional pathway to significantly reduce the CO footprint via fuel. And with industrialization, with scaling up Siemens Energy, thus with electrolyzers and other parts of this value chain, costs will come down. That's every time happening when a new technology comes into the market. It has a chance from our point of view, such liquid energy carriers, e-fuel, and if you look at efficiency, this is, plays a major role where uh, energy is not at hand in enough uh, source. But if you look at areas like the southern part of Chile, where there is really wind energy in abundance available, or regions on the world where there is a lot of photovoltaic potential, it's not only about efficiency, it's a lot about getting a CO2 neutral footprint. And then the process converting this electric energy into a liquid fuel makes sense as this liquid fuel could be transported with existing uh, transport infrastructure and could be just used as a drop-in fuel for cars or for other sectors. Let's talk a little bit about fuels as it relates to the entire transport sector. How do you, what role do you see it playing beyond Will the Haro Oni project, will that lead to other mobility sectors being able to use the same process and the same technology? We think yes. The Haro Oni project has as a basis e-methanol. Uh, this is an intermediate product from uh, hydrogen and CO2 via methanol to fuel. But you could use e-methanol, for example, to run ships, so ship vessels, shipping could run on methanol directly and you could arrive instead of e-gasoline also kerosene for aviation industry you could use methanol as a base product for chemical industry so from our point of view we start with e-fuel for cars but this project could lead into other sectors like aviation like shipping like chemical industry more or less with the same technology. Wow, that's fascinating because it, it plays such a big role beyond just the vehicles, the cars, and going into the aviation industry, the shipping industry. And there's a lot of potential there, I think you'll agree. But let's talk about the 
political framework? What would you need from a political framework perspective to scale up the e-fuel business? If you would like to scale up, always the business case plays a major role. Either you can make money with such processes and fuels, or it doesn't make sense. And for this, the political framework is essential. So you need the right boundaries in terms of tax incentives, in terms of adequate CO2 pricing, maybe also in addition by given blending quotas for putting e-fuel into existing fuel. So in addition, official funding, and we get some funding from the German government for Haruoni is helpful. But in principle, all the strategy, national and international strategies in the direction of hydrogen have to have in mind that also other hydrogen-based energy carriers like e-fuel should be within the focus, such liquid energies and standards and certifications are very helpful and useful. To give you one example, we have today the so-called Renewable Energy Directive 3 in discussion within Europe. And with this Renewable Energy Directive, RED 3 is called, we expect illicit ambitious quotas for e-fuels, for blending to other fuels. So all these measures from the political side could help to bring such a technology successful to market and to come down in terms of CO2 footprint of mobility. And you mentioned also bringing costs down. That's going to be an important element and support from governments and the private sector combining to support this new technology, I think will be very important. And you've touched on that. Where are you and on the Haro Oni project in terms of construction, when it will be operational? So we are in the middle of the construction and it will be operational this year. So we are happy to look forward getting the first fuel by the fourth quarter of this year. And beginning by the end of this year, we plan about 130,000 liters per year in the pilot phase. Their Porsche will be the only off-taker to use such fuel in showcase projects like racing, maybe experience centers we have, maybe also put this as a first fill or partly as first fill into our cars. And this will help to come down in terms of costs, scaling up in terms of numbers of produced electrolyzers, of produced synthesizers to get costs in a better shape. In addition to locating the right spots on a worldwide basis where Renewable energy uh, is at hand, like in the south of Chile in form of wind or in regions with large amounts of solar energy. This together with the right regulation will bring us in a position that e-fuels will significantly support reducing the CO2 footprint of mobility. So that brings me to the question, why Porsche? You all have made a significant investment in this, in the Haro Oni project and in this new technology. What was the precipice for Porsche getting so involved and being a leader in this field? Having in mind that we would like to come down in terms of CO2 to a CO2 neutral basis, we need, in addition to e-mobility, measures to make fuel 
um, significantly CO2 reduced, so close to CO2 neutral, to come down to our target. This is one thing. And the other thing is we are willing and looking forward to have a chance to run also a combustion engine cars without having a unnecessary CO2 footprint. So aside from the environmental benefit, which is clear here, what would you say would be the precipice for someone deciding between an electric vehicle and an e-fuel powered vehicle when it's scaled up and they have a choice of doing that? What are the benefits and what are the differences? <laughs> this has a lot to do with personal taste. So uh, okay. frankly speaking, I'm driving both concepts. Most often during the week, I drive my Taycan. This is a full electric vehicle. This is quiet. This is really super fast and sharp, a typical Porsche sports car. But once and again on weekends, I like also to drive my 911 GT3 with a combustion engine, more emotional, more loud than a Taycan, <laughs> but running on fuel. And I'm sorry, but today running on fossil fuel. So step by step, it could be a lot of fun. And good feeling to run such cars also based on e-fuels. Wow, that's wonderful. So do you have anything else to add before we finish up here? Anything you want to tell our listeners about where you see this technology evolving and anything else we might not have touched on? Just maybe a short summary. With e-fuels, we see a very useful complement to electric mobility to decarbonize faster, to address, address the existing fleet. And also, in addition to lead the way for other sectors like aviation, shipping or chemical industry in terms of decarbonization. So it makes sense and it is a significant, very important additional measure to e-mobility. Wonderful. And if our listeners are looking for more information on the Haro Oni project or on the e-fuels technology, I'm sure they can go to the Porsche website as well as Siemens Energy website to find out more about that. And Dr. Steiner, I appreciate you joining us so much. This is fascinating. I really didn't know what the precipice or what the benefit of e-fuels was going to be and what the evolution was going to be and what's needed to evolve it. But this has been a very informative session and I podcast and I appreciate you joining us today. And have a wonderful rest of your day. And don't drive those cars too fast. You'll get a speeding ticket. <laughs> thank you for guiding me through this broadcast. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode valuable. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. You can find more information and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at Siemens-Energy.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Energy is providing this podcast as a public service. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Siemens Energy. The views expressed by guests and hosts are their own and their appearances on this program do not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by Siemens Energy employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the views of Siemens Energy or any of its officials.